so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is where we serve you on the web. We have our new updated podcast that is available at a number of places for you to be able to access it. Spotify, iHeartRadio, among others. Clark.com, of course, for your listening pleasure. But of course, we are heard daily on hundreds of radio stations around the country, and I love for you to be part of supporting local radio as well. Coming up in a half hour on today's edition of the Clark Howard Show, we're going to talk about what rights you have, what responsibilities come on your shoulders when you decide to go to a hospital emergency room and whether you should go to a hospital emergency room. That's coming your way in just 30. I want to talk right now about the camera technology that is becoming so common with corporate security and government security functions is now coming to your home. You know, there are now... Uh, Facial recognition cameras widely deployed in the U.S. and other countries where you are able to be identified quickly by your actual facial features. And whoever's looking knows who you are. Well, now Nest, N-E-S-T, the people who do the Nest thermostats, the Nest smoke detector systems, the Nest cameras have taken the cameras to a level where they are able to identify with facial recognition who's actually at the door. It's called the Nest Cam IQ. And so using the deep data that Nest parent Google has, they're able to identify with apparently great accuracy, who you are. Now, the beauty of that is that it's able potentially to know who's friend, who's foe. And this is a great potential security device where you as a parent are able to monitor to make sure your kids are safe, There are any of a number of uses for this. And the camera today will only identify people who you have told it to identify using your iPhone or Android. It will not try to identify people you have not given permission for them to do so. But Let's say there is a burglary at your house and Nest has caught that burglar red-handed. You then will have the ability to supply that video to the police for them to have great evidence of who that burglar was that attacked your residence. So... The whole thing of making it permission instead of another system 
gives you the complete control over who will be facially recognized. And I like that. What I don't like is you have to pay $10 a month for the service. But if you want to be able to know who's there, who might be lurking around your home, it's the same thing I talked about not too long ago about the Ring doorbell. That the Ring doorbell has become a potential great safety device and security device at homes. And the wonderful thing about these technologies is the caliber of the video is extraordinary and the cost you pay for these systems amazingly low for what they can do. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? Hello, Clark. Doing well. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. um, Well, uh, I came in to some money. I was on vacation um, down in Mississippi, and uh, I put $100 in a slot machine, and uh, I walked away with a jackpot of uh, $286,000. No, you did not. Yes, sir, I did. (laughs) Okay. How does anybody have the guts to put $100 in a slot machine? Because I can tell you, I get upset putting a nickel in a slot machine. (laughs) I figured, you know, on vacation, you know, uh, what's the saying, when in Rome? (laughs) Man. Yeah, just on on vacation down there having a good time. And maybe it was a little bit alcohol-fueled, but in (laughs) any case, it worked out pretty well. (laughs) So you end up with $286,000? Yes, sir. Yes, I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, honestly, it's, it's, it, I feel like it's a life changing opportunity, this money. And I'll be honest, I, I've been under a lot of stress. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know <laughs> a lot of sympathy. That's what all my family's been saying. A lot of sympathy for you, but, um, I just don't know what to do with the money. I, I want to, I don't want to squander it. I want to make sure I do the right thing. And all right, well, let's uh, talk about where you are today and what your goals are. So okay. this is, this is like money that fell out of the sky and you want to uh, get as much direct benefit from it as you can. So are you going to have to pay tax on this 286? I am. They took out a 3% state tax, but the federal tax is still outstanding. So if there's any way to mitigate that, uh, that I would certainly... Well, no, you're going to have to pay the tax. I just didn't know how much. Okay, I think it's 25%. All right, so you have to budget for that. So let's just say... You're going to net after all taxes two hundred thousand. Let's just work with that as the working figure. Okay. And that's great money to have, right? Absolutely. So you said you've been feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Is that about debts you have or bills you have? No, it's just that I, I'm I'm in an opportunity right now where um, I've I've got one of my best friends, and we've been looking at maybe doing some investment in real estate. Um, you know, and I'm not sure if, you know, it's better to, you know, pay down like my own debts or whether it's to put in investment real estate. And I'll be honest, I haven't done the best job saving myself. I've got a 401k, uh, I think it's a Roth and I don't, I haven't been really contributing to that a lot. But And how uh, old are you? I'm 29. So you have a great opportunity now for the money to magnify and grow for you. And one thing that I'd love for you to do 
is if you will boost what you're contributing to that Roth 401k, the advantage to you over the decades, if you figure conservatively, the money that you put in today may double in 10 years and then double again in 10 more years and on like that, the compound of time you have being nearly 40 years from retirement is so valuable to you but immediately uh-huh. I would do what you can. You can do 5500 in a Roth IRA in addition okay. to the 401k. So I'm only taking 2% of the money, 2.5% of the money, but I'd like you to open a Roth IRA immediately and put some money in there. Okay. And then Sounds prepare good. to contribute each that each year because every dollar you can commit to your 401k or to a Roth IRA – it's money that builds your future for you. Okay. And what debts do you have? Um, I have a house, and I owe one hundred twenty-six thousand on that. And I have a truck payment that I owe. Uh, I owe fifteen thousand, a little over fifteen thousand on that. And uh, beyond that, I've, I've already paid off the credit cards. There was only a couple thousand on that, so I went ahead and just. All right. Paid so off normally, I would not suggest this, but in your case, I would absolutely. I don't care what your mortgage rate is. Just pay off your house and be mortgage debt free. Okay, that's good to hear that from you because that's one thing I was considering and I wasn't sure if that was the right move. The reason uh, I would do that is there's such a tendency with a windfall that people um, treat it like a hot potato and spend money in ways they might not be happy with later. Mm -hmm. So if you were to, to take 110 of it and pay off your home... You own that home free and clear. You know you got a return on that money instantly. Where if you invest in the real estate deal with your friend, who knows if you make money or lose money. But you know Mm -hmm. if you pay off that mortgage, you got that return immediately. And I just enjoy the thought of not having to make that mortgage payment No kidding. No kidding. And then you know what else? Money. Mm-hmm. I want you to take $20,000 and spend it however you want. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Take a trip, uh, do something crazy with it. Whatever it is, you should have some immediate reward that's just, uh, it can even be frivolous because mm-hmm. of the money that you got. Oh, that that's awesome. 10% okay. of the money, but the other 90% you put to good use like the ones we're talking about. Okay. And congratulations to you. I I always get nervous when somebody wins a pot of money that it will end up being, well, it won't be squirreled away. It'll be, I'll I'll let you use your imagination for the term a lot of people end up doing with that money. So in this case, being methodical about it and checking things off a list is going to do so much for you down the road. And again, congratulations. Tim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Tim, you want to do something that you might need that $286,000 jackpot for. Exactly. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You want to go to Tokyo, but not just go to Tokyo anytime. You want to go to Tokyo for the... Olympics. Okay. Olympics, Uh, if people aren't aware, in Tokyo in 2020, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, how can I be of service with that? 
Well, um, I know you're the man to talk to if you want to travel anywhere and save money the cheapest way to get there. So you're the first person I thought of when I emailed. All right. Let me tell you the key with going to an Olympic game. Okay. You don't book anything early. Okay. Everybody at first, the airlines, the hotels, people renting places on Airbnb, everybody has these massive dollar signs in their eyes. Uh Uh-huh. And early, they post massive prices for uh, tour operators, for packages. When the air flights become available 11 months out from those games, airlines will post ridiculous prices. Uh And the real money is saved booking everything close to the time of the actual games. Oh, awesome. Second thing, the greatest savings on getting into events on the hotels, um, things to do there, happen Uh in the middle of an Olympics. You know, the Olympics are, what are they, 16 days long? Yes, sir. After the first four days and before the last three, Uh that's the sweet spot of going to an Olympics. Okay. So, So So you suggest, first off, getting there, and then once we get there, buying the tickets to the event we want to go to not necessarily okay but i don't want you to even as much as you want to go i want you to wait till very late and in an olympic game environment that's less than six weeks out okay i can do that is when you start looking at because the airfare prices drop the hotel prices keep dropping all the way up to when the olympics are underway Again, because everybody posts the crazy prices, the real prices come later. So we'll be having a conversation about this in uh, two-plus years again. George joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And George, I am so happy to hear there is another person as cheap as I am. You got it. Uh, I'm certainly the one. I found something even cheaper than what you've been talking about. And that is? Well, uh, you've been uh, telling us about uh, inexpensive funerals, um, both regular-type uh, funerals and cremations, and uh, you certainly found, you know, the sweet spot for that. But I ran across an even cheaper method of uh, disposing of bodies, uh, legally, of course, and uh, that, that's body farms. Uh, there are like seven or eight of them around the country, and one just opened up uh, in my home state. Uh, it's operated by a university, and the purpose of them is to, um, you know, figure help um, anthropologists figure out if they find a body, how long it's been there, what its age and sex and ancestry might be. And so, uh, what they're doing is they're uh, accepting donations from folks. Uh, there's absolutely no cost involved. They'll even transport you if you're in a less than 150 or 200 miles away. So you and, just uh, donate to science. And you eliminate the cost of funeral, cremation, burial, the whole thing. Yep, and I'm dying to do that. Oh, don't don't do it. say that bad pun. So <laughs> my dad, uh, who died in the 1980s, did something similar. Um, his body was donated to science. And in his case, it was donated to a, a research hospital. And so his body became useful for medical research. And we had no cost at all for burial or cremation for him. 
Yeah, it's a great way of uh, contributing to society after you're gone. You know, both methods are. And and, and uh, I, I am all in on that. It. I want every part of me, if it's useful to someone, to be donated for transplant. And if, if my body is needed for research afterwards, I want them to have it. And for me, believe it or not, it's not about saving money on burial or cremation. It's about having my body be useful to others after I'm no longer useful. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. And I ask you this, did you know that you can get free off-the-air advice 45 hours each week? That's right, you can talk with a member of Team Clark for nothing. It's been a service of our show for just under 25 years. And you can see how to get free off-the-air advice on the main screen of Clark.com. It's been so much fuss about a health insurer going to a system where you, if you go to a hospital emergency room, and it later turns out that what you went for is not an emergency, you have no insurance coverage for that emergency room visit, and you pay full retail price out of your own pocket for going to the emergency room. Now, this has created a firestorm of controversy. But here's the thing. Hospital emergency rooms, for so many people have become basically the doctor's office. And so it leads to enormous inefficiency. An emergency room should be just that. When somebody comes in from a car wreck or an accident or a severe illness, that minutes count, that is an emergency And that's what the emergency room should be there for. Someone gets injured in an athletic event and may have a broken limb. If it's outside of hours that you could go to an orthopede, then that is something that would be a legitimate reason to go to an emergency room. But so many people go for anything. And emergency rooms are very inefficient providers of routine care and generally extremely good providers of emergency care. The cost, the bills, look, I know I was in the emergency room recently before I was admitted to a hospital, and the bills are eye-popping. And because mine was something that was such that I was admitted to the hospital and all that, I haven't faced an issue of should I have gone to the emergency room or not. There are areas of gray. There are times that you may have chest pain, a thing that you should automatically go to a hospital emergency room for. Where it comes gray is if an insurer behaving foolishly says when it later turns out you had indigestion, that, oh, that was not an emergency, we're not going to pay. So the devil 
as it always seems to be with healthcare, is in the details. And there is a standard that is hard to interpret, but generally it's referred to as reasonable and prudent. If it would be a reasonable judgment of a prudent lay person that something was an emergency and later turned out to be something you can stand down from and everything's fine, that should be covered if it was something that involves symptoms there would be that that would lead a normal person to say, get to the hospital now. Many years ago, this is 20-some-odd years ago, I was jogging on a hot, sticky summer day. Should not have been jogging in the time of day I was. And I all of a sudden developed severe chest pain and I, w- I thought for sure I was having a heart attack. So my then girlfriend, my now wife, drove me to the emergency room and they hooked me up to all these things and they say, your heart's perfect. Nothing wrong with your heart. And it turned out I didn't know I had asthma and that I had had an asthma attack. So that was when I found out I had asthma. Apparently I had it for a long time, according to the pulmonologist I then saw. So is that a legitimate emergency? What do you think? thought I was having a heart attack. I was having an asthma attack. Yes. That is exactly an example of something that would be an emergency. But what if it was neither of those things, and they just scratch their heads and they say, we can't find anything wrong with you, and they send me away and then the big bill comes in, should that be covered or not? And who's going to decide? Is the insurer, the judge, jury, and executioner? And until clear lines are drawn, any insurer doing that is playing with fire. Sue is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sue. Hello. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. So you have a question about having some credit card fraud. What happened? Well, I get text messages when I use my card, and I got a a text that for a charge out of state that wasn't mine, and so I called the credit card company, and they immediately... Um, stop the card and reverse the charges. So now I have a new number. And my question was, and this hasn't ever happened before. So my question was, now I got the secure um, computer that you recommend, and I'm just doing my internet banking through that. But now as the weeks have gone by, I get the notices that say your reoccurring accounts that I had my old credit card number on with, now, you know, they need the new credit card number. Absolutely. What a pain that is, too, right? Yes, it is. So my question is, um, do I use my secure computer to go on to these merchant accounts and put in my new number? Or do I do that with my... You do that with your other computer. Your computer that's your secure computer, you use for your banking. If you have a brokerage account for that, 
Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I would not, you use your regular computer for anything involving like updating a form of payment or something like that okay. with a new card because you don't want to create any more use of that secure Chromebook okay. except for those very limited things. Oh, I thought so. So I hadn't done that. So I would thank you because I put my, I, I just reached out to your um, show and this has been like maybe just a couple days. So I was kind of like, oh, I haven't heard anything. Maybe I need to, I don't know what to do with my new credit card number. I don't want it out there anymore, but. Well, you're doing exactly the right thing if you just go on that okay. regular computer because see with a credit card, as mm-hmm. you saw when there was a breach, your liability is usually zero by federal law the maximum is fifty dollars okay so there's there's not much you need to fret about but if somebody cracks into your bank account that's a whole different game Mm. and so that's why with the risk level attached to that that's why that should be done and bill pay anything like that on that secure chromebook but just updating forms of payment that should be done on your regular computer. I will do that. Okay. Thank you. I'm curious, how much was your Chromebook? Just a couple hundred dollars. And I didn't get a fancy one. But they're they're pretty amazingly fast, aren't they? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so you know, I um I travel everywhere I go now with a Chromebook. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's just so much easier and better and cheaper than using a regular computer. Yeah, yeah. So, I took your advice on that. And yeah, they're small, lightweight, not a problem. I don't plan on traveling with it. I just, um, and I don't know where the breach came from, if it came from... Isn't that the computer. weird thing? I mean, yeah. most, I'd say 99% of the time as a consumer, mm-hmm. we are never going to be aware, never going to know where the breach happened. Even if the financial institution knows... They're not mm-hmm. going to tell you that. Oh, I So it yeah. just is one of those things, hmm, and cards do get compromised, and it's just a thing you shrug your shoulders and you go on because you can't prevent the problem. Thank you very much, Sue, and I'm glad that your credit card company did their thing just as they should have. Brian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brian. Hey, how are you? Great, thank you, Brian. You are a fellow landlord, are you not? I am, yes. Yes, I am. And are you a newbie in it, or have you been doing it for a while? So I have one rental property, and uh, I had just gotten into a second one and started looking at the insurance a little closer and comparing quotes and just started having questions. The first time around, I was, you know, a little more reckless, I suppose, and now I'm a little more concerned. So that's kind of where I am, and... I had a question for you today. I'm ready. All right. So I have two quotes, one's for actual cash value and one is for replacement costs. And I kind of sent the quotes to the each competitor to see, you know, what the difference was and if they could beat the price. And they both wrote back with a kind of lengthy explanations as to why their insurance is better than the others for the current rate. <laughs> so really, yeah. So I was kind of like, okay, great. Uh, no price reduction, but what's the better insurance? And I am still kind of actively talking to them, but uh, I haven't found the right answer yet. So. Right. Replacement value coverage, I have a big bias for. 
Okay. And the reason is, is that when you look to rebuild something, the cost of rebuilding will be higher than the market value of that property. You know, when a home, when a home is built, usually, particularly if it's in a production built community where, you know, they're doing active building in an area, the cost per square foot of that build is far, far lower than a rebuild or even building an individual home. And let's take new construction versus an existing property, which your rentals are existing properties. Construction costs are so much higher per foot than the market value of that property as it sits today that making sure you have coverage that will rebuild it at the prevailing cost to rebuild keeps you from being terribly exposed in the event of a catastrophic loss to the property. Right. Okay. So so when I when I get a quote for replacement cost, a hundred percent replacement cost, it's not it shouldn't be um, it's okay that it's higher than the actual cash value cost. I mean it's you're getting more for your money essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because okay. if somebody okay. insures you for only the value they say, oh, well, that home would sell for. Give me a figure. Ninety thousand dollars. That home would sell for ninety thousand dollars. So we're going to insure you for ninety thousand. But the right. reality okay. is, if you have a significant loss or full loss on that home, and you go to rebuild it, you're never going to be able to rebuild it for ninety. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's this- why a policy that covers your rebuild cost is key. To you being properly insured. Uh, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much for the clarification. It's a little bit of a weight off my shoulders talking to you about it. Thank One you. other thing is, I want you to make sure you have plenty of liability coverage. Do you have a number for that? For injuries, I have $300,000, I think, um, as a liability. Is that not enough? Or? That may not be enough because here you are. This is success tax. You now have two rental properties. Assume you have your own home. You probably have yep. other assets. You want to make sure that if there's a serious issue that happens at one of your rental properties, somebody gets hurt there or whatever, that they don't sue you into poverty. Very good. And Very so good. look at something known as an umbrella insurance policy that sits above the liability coverage you have in your life. They're relatively cheap policies to buy. And it provides you that kind of coverage in the event that there is an unlikely, but what could be very expensive event happening in your life, not necessarily just at one of those two rental properties. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself 
and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel becomes you. Yeah, that's right, Clark. And now I'm being Deb. She said, Clark, how does one protect one's biometric information? I would love to use an ancestry analysis like 23andMe or Ancestry.com. But until I can have those warm fuzzies about using it, I'm afraid of a hacker destroying my life with the evidence I could gather. Wow. Um, so I've used both 23andMe and Ancestry.com. And my philosophy about that is that hackers are present in our lives. They're present in society. And there is that danger that a hacker will come up with sensitive information on us. But I've done so much reading about how much information is out there on us already that I'm not going to worry about the fact that my DNA results are out there and that my, as you referred to it, biometric, you know, I've got the stuff about what I'm at risk for and all that. And I realize that there there are chances out there that information will leak, but you can't prevent everything, and this is one that I don't worry about. What I've worried about is how this information might be used against me if companies were allowed to get bio data on us and use it. But the hacker side, that's not something I lose sleep over. All right. Gary writes and he says, what do you know about Unroll.me and do you think it's a worthwhile service? Unroll.me was under some controversy recently about what happens with the information that they then have access to and they have apologized profusely i have used it i love it what it does if you're not aware is over time you end up on so many mailing lists that clog up your email a lot of them you don't even remember ever signing up for maybe you didn't or those at one time that were valid in your life and relevant to you they became irrelevant Unroll.me, not .com, unroll.me will clear out those subscriptions for you by showing you everything that you're subscribed to, and then you tell them what you don't want to be subscribed to anymore, and they clean it out. It works. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone. Empowerment Zone. 